You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to Let's Talk Apple episode 67. This is the show for March 2019, and I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a panel who are small in number, but large in quality, and also well spread out around the larger Atlantic basin. Um, on my left, uh, I think, well, the, I, I could face the other way and it would become my left, even if I got it wrong. Anyway, joining me from the United Kingdom is Nick Riley. Hi, Nick. Hi, boss. Thank you for the kind words. Always I'm not sure about the quality you. thing, but thank you anyway. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, and then you, joining Bart. me from the other side, whichever I decided to call it, uh, we have Guy Searle from the MyMac podcast with us. Hi, Guy. Hello, Bart. How are you today? Thanks for having me on. I am doing fine, and thank you ever so I much. Know. For... I know. I mean, you may regret it before the show is over, but, you know, thanks. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. There's months when I'm doing the show notes where I have this really difficult task of having like, you know, 20 medium stories, which are none of which are particularly exciting and none of which are obviously the main stories of the month and having to arbitrarily pick some sort of criteria to to sort of (laughs) whittle it down to four. No danger of that this month. Instead, no, I, think I think so. I had about twenty really big stories, and I had to sort of figure out a way to say, "How can I not make that? And how can I not make that? And how can I... yeah. it? What a month! What a month of Apple news!" So let us get stuck in with a little bit of quick follow-up, just to say that last or recently, it might have been the show before last, we talked about Apple Music arriving on Amazon's Echo devices. And that wasn't an aberration. Apple Music has now arrived on Amazon's Fire TV devices as well. So the integration of those ecosystems continues. Is that only in the US? I don't know. Um, no, I, I genuinely uh, don't know. Um, I, uh, I, right. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's all, I've, I, my, um, I have got an Echo somewhere, but uh, I've got Sonos devices and they haven't got it. It's, it hasn't arrived on the Sonos. Sonos have said it's coming, but... Of course, that's a second hand. Yes, yeah, it was yeah. not second hand, but second party in- indirect echo. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess it may need to get a. I could make a joke about an indirect echo, but I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very quiet. Um, then the other piece of follow up we have is um, so the Apple Watch Four had the lovely ECG feature, but of course, only the Americans got to play with that. Well, there has been a dramatic improvement there in terms of number of countries supported. It's now available in Hong Kong and 19 European countries, presumably because a whole bunch of them share regulators through the EU. Um, So Ireland, Belgium, UK are among the 19 European countries. And as well as getting ECG support, these 19 countries plus Hong Kong now also have irregular heartbeat notification or AFib notification support. So that comes with the latest software update to watchOS. So I will certainly be turning that on and hopefully getting no notifications. And that's only for the uh, Apple Watch 4. Mm. Uh, No, actually, the notifications are for all Apple Watches. No, uh, I mean EKG or ECG support. Yeah, the ECG support is only for the the watches that have the physical uh, sensors, which is the Watch 4. Because there's some sort of electrode in the crown. 
um, and I guess some circuitry to back it up. So again, nice to see those continue to roll out as Apple jump through regulatory hurdles. Um, next up then, notable numbers. I have just two statistics that caught my eye. Um, according to IDC, and we have to say according to IDC, because of course Apple have stopped giving us any sort of numbers at all. Now they never actually gave us watch numbers, so I guess th- this number was always going to be estimated. But anyway, according to IDC, whose Mac numbers were historically never quite spot on, but always in the right order of magnitude. Uh, so according to IDG, the smartwatch market was topped by Apple for Q4 of 2018, who IDC say sold 10.4 million Apple Watches. Which is a lot. That's a lot of watches. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really surprised. You do tend to see them everywhere now. <laughs> yeah. You really uh, do. Also, Although- also remember that the, that the the whole Android market is like so fragmented and and it's not even so much that it's fragmented it's that the feature set is fragmented as well so you don't really know what you get when you get an android watch well like i had my brother asked me you know like i've seen you using your apple watch you seem to get an awful lot out of it i i need to do a bit more exercise you keep fit stuff so i I think i want a a tracker but if i'm going to have a tracker i want it to be a smart watch because well you know if i'm going to have something on my arm it may as well do lots of things yeah i like your thinking uh, but he's a he's an avid Android user, and it was very difficult to figure out what to advise him. Thankfully, he's a Samsung guy, so in the end, that actually makes it an easier thing to recommend. And I ended up saying, get the Galaxy Gear that you find nicest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he seems happy. So at least I didn't lead him too far astray. But it's definitely easier for anyone in the iOS ecosystem. Get the Apple Watch you can afford. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. You know, because they're all good. It doesn't matter which one you buy, right? Anyone they're selling now is good, and it's just a matter of how much you want to spend. And do you think having stainless steel is worth extra money over having aluminium? If you want aluminium, do you want it in you know dark gold, silver, pink? Uh, yeah. And what kind of band? Yeah, you know, whatever happened to the um, that like solid gold one? I think that was only the first gen. Yeah, that was replaced with the ceramic. Um, which yes. then vanished. Someone will, have it in, someone will have it in a display case somewhere, won't they? <laughs> I am sure of that, yeah. Yeah, well, at this piece. point, what else? It's not really yeah, what else is good to watch it? anymore. Yeah. I guess you melt it down and get your gold back. <laughs> um, the other, the, the other um, number then that caught my eye um, is that Apple Music has hit 40 million installs on Android, uh, which is, that's that's according to Sensor Tower. Um that's that. That's a lot of non-Apple people in the Apple services ecosystem. Mm. Which- well, this is this is why Apple is. I mean, <laughs> I think it's part of the reason why they've stopped talking about specific numbers with hardware. Is that you know services is becoming like like that freight train that you see coming down the track and you just can't get out of the way in time. Yeah. <laughs> so the hardware, the hardware is starting to take a a, a backseat and. It's starting to make me wonder how much longer Apple will continue to to sell branded hardware. Oh, are, I, are we are we within sight of a day when Apple pulls an IBM and just gets out of hardware altogether? I don't think so. Um, I, I I think Apple would see services as, as a way to pull people to the hardware. Apple's core DNA is always to make 
the best experience for users. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to control it from soup to nuts. They're just uh, to me, Apple are a soup to nuts company. But and, I mean, you look at you look at what they're you know they're they're now releasing their services on other platforms. The the fact that that anything that you buy in iTunes can now be listened to on Android devices. It can now be watched on uh, certain smart TVs going forward. It's like, you know, at this point, we're already, it would not surprise me if within the next year, Apple just says, hey, you know, we don't really see a need to have Apple TV anymore as hardware. Just go buy a Roku box or just go buy a, a TV, a smart TV that already has our services built in. And then you start extrapolating from that. And yeah, you know, at what point does Apple even need to have hardware anymore? I, I'm, that is a, that interpretation of the future is entirely compatible with the facts we know. It doesn't, it doesn't gel with my interpretation of, you know, the, the, the people. Of what and, Apple is. Of yeah. what Apple is. But it's, yeah, that's it's just scary. my interpretation, right? What you're saying is not incompatible with the facts. I, my feeling is that this is the new Halo. They're, they're, they're just building new Halos. This is equivalent of iTunes on Windows to get the iPod onto Windows. I, I don't think this is Apple giving up on hardware. I think this is Apple trying to pull more people into their ecosystem. Well, if they keep this up, I'm going to have to give up my G3 iMac. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. I agree with you, Bart. I, I think that the, um, the it's going to be the... Where, where if you use it on other platforms, it'll be fine. But if you really want the smooth Apple experience, then you really need to buy into the Apple stuff. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's the way it's going. It uh, it's going to go in the near future, anyway. Well, I say, I, w- I mean, it's not impossible that you're right, guy. I just hope to all heaven you're wrong. Uh, believe me, I do too. I <laughs> I much prefer Apple. I mean, I I bought off. You ever heard of Wish dot com? It, it's basically it's it's a crap site that sells crap hardware. Okay, and I bought a um, uh, an Android phone that was at a reasonable price for reasons that don't really matter. Mm-hmm. And it came and it was it was oh my god! It had been so long since I had had done anything with an Android phone. It was like how do people live like this? Oh, no, why why do they put themselves through this? And it it. It just made me realize, he says, you know what, I think I'll just hang on to my Apple iPhone for, <laughs> I don't know, forever. So, yeah. you know, as long as Apple keeps making hardware, chances are I'll keep buying it. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that would certainly be my experience. I did, they, they, and they, I am so very sorry that I took us down this rat hole. Well, it was an interesting discussion, <laughs> but let's let's climb back out and uh, let's okay. b- briefly visit legal latest. I th- th- this is purely just to keep us in the loop until the next time this story develops major legs. I just want to note for future reference that Apple v Qualcomm continues to rumble on. Uh, Qualcomm have lost new uh, launched new court cases against Apple ahead of mm. the start of the antitrust case that's kicking off. Uh, Apple are accusing Qualcomm of witness tampering. Qualcomm are saying, nah. And a US judge has ruled that Qualcomm owes Apple nearly $1 billion in rebate payments on their uh, patent agreement. That's right. Cutting coupons is worth it. Yeah. So I said, not, not, I don't think any of this is worth us dwelling on this month, but I do just want to put a pin in the fact that that 
long-running train wreck continues to long run, and I'm sure we'll check in with it in more detail next time. There's a major ruling. And it continues to be a train wreck. Yep. Yes, it does. Um, in terms of hirings and firings within Apple this month, not not much caught my eye, just the one story. Apple is hiring, hiring an analyst to explain Siri complaints to executives. At least that's how VentureBeat described the position. <laughs> <laughs> is it because the executives don't understand the complaints? <laughs> I imagine they do. But anyway, this person will be responsible for taking the feedback from users and translating it into developer ease, which is, which is needed sometimes. Um, I know a lot of computer scientists. I am one. Um, and the, the, a person who is good at speaking both human and nerd is sometimes extremely valuable uh, in getting software to a good place. So I hope yeah, they but hire. Does, does that do, do those roads converge to an analyst? You know that that's my question. I, well, do you, I mean, to be honest, what you choose to call that person, I think of those people. I mean, I, I come across them a lot in work, and when you find someone who's good at doing that job, they're such an asset to any team. But I look at them as translators. It's it's pretty much equivalent yeah. to those people in the UN who can speak Russian and German. You know, can you at speak human time. and nerd? Yeah, here's a lovely here's a lovely story from earlier in the week um, for um, all our American friends um, who, who can't understand why. Uh, us Brits have so many problems with Siri. Um, oh. Earlier on in the week, I asked Siri, "What Siri? What's nine times one hundred and thirty-seven?" And she said, forward. "And she said, here's what I found on the internet." <laughs> so I then said, "So I then said, uh, Siri, what's one hundred and thirty-seven times nine? And she gave me the answer. But, so, <laughs> so there you okay. go. <laughs> That's bizarre. That's absolutely <laughs> I still bizarre. Do get, I still don't get on with Siri. <laughs> I'll be honest, I have a troubled relationship with her too. Yeah. I, I do keep trying, but she tries my patience quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I just came back from a trip and we, as we were dr- driving down the road, we were trying to find, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this restaurant called Arby's. It's like a I have roast heard of restaurant. It. I have never okay. eaten we at were the trying, establishment, but I've heard of it. We were trying to find an Arby's, and we're using um, Waze for our navigation app. But mm-hmm. I would, you know, double tap the phone and say, "Siri, you know, find the the nearest Arby's." Yeah, and it would it sent me to an completely different state, and I knew that there had to be one closer. It was like. 200 miles away in the wrong direction. It's like, okay, maybe you didn't quite understand what I meant by close. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's close in global terms. Having said that, Apple Maps usually does literally steers me very well because I use exclusively Apple Maps these days because of the watch um, integration. And to me, the the safety benefit of having those taps on the wrist. And at any point, if I get flustered, I just look at my wrist and it tells me the next direction and how far away it is. Um, I I recently had to drive to a couple of places I've never been before. And when you're, you're already stressed, particularly on one of the cases where I had no choice but to do it during rush hour traffic, you know, Mm. five lanes of traffic at one point where I had no idea where I was going and I was late. And, I, you know, the last thing I needed was stress and having the Apple Watch there tapping one way for left, one way for right, and always being able to just quickly glance and see where I needed to, you know, 300 meters. Okay, so it's not this exit, it's the next one. It's, yeah, it, 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 that watch integration, I think, probably has saved countless lives. Yeah, well, the, the only reason why I use Waze is uh, I think it has better traffic information than Apple Maps. And mm-hmm. it also tells me where the speed traps are. 
I, I it, in Ireland we have a thing where when you're a new a new a newly licensed driver you have to have special plates on your car for two years. Um, with an N, officially it's for novice, but we call them numpty plates. Uh, numpty being an <laughs> Irish word for idiot. Um, so, so I still have my numpty plates because I've only had my license for a year, um, and so I, I, I'm extremely religious about never breaking the speed limit. But I imagine I when I'm denumptified, I, I don't know how long that'll last. I, th- I think the N on my plate does stand for numpty. <laughs> Anyhow, um, the other kind of acquisition Apple do is not hiring human beings, but buying companies. Uh, They, of course, never tell us why, but it's always interesting to look at what they buy just so that we see where Apple's thinking. So three acquisitions crossed my radar this month. Um, We now know that last December, Apple bought a company called Lighthouse AI to get at their patent portfolio, and they're a smart home security company, and uh, they had some interesting AI around detecting or rather interpreting security camera imagery and figuring out what it is, which is obviously sounds related to cars and things. Mm. They also uh, bought a Silicon Valley-based machine language, or sorry, machine learning startup called LaserLike. So again, we're in that AI field. Uh, And then they bought... um, a an Italian company uh, who called Stamplay, and they specialize in sort of back end services for apps, which is so a, a very different acquisition to the other two. But again, it, it's just I always like to keep an eye on what Apple's buying because that tells us what skills they're pulling in. Yeah. Right, main stories. Goodness me, do we have a lot to talk about. But before we get to the really big stuff, um, I actually want to start with a story that I think is interesting because it gives us. A rare glimpse behind sort of where, where Tim Cook got personal for a bit and quite eloquent, I think. So the month literally started with Apple's annual shareholder meeting. It was held on the 1st of March. Um, uh, for the most part, it was a fairly news, un, sort of uneventful, non-dramatic uh, shareholder meeting. Um, at the end of the day, Apple continues to be a highly profitable company, so the shareholders are not going to get too cranky because you don't kill the goose that laid the golden egg, I think is sort of what it boils down to. Uh, one notable, there was a shareholder motion, uh, which was uh, posted by some fairly extremist conservatives who wanted to redefine Apple's definition of diversity so that we would get special protection for conservatives those poor poor yeah. poor conservatives poor poor conservatives apple shareholders were having no truck with this uh and they voted no by 98.3 percent is is that a big percentage what well, <laughs> yeah <laughs> If, oh, okay. Just if, if Theresa May could get anything close to that in the British Parliament, there would there would be Brexit clarity. Uh, <laughs> the clouds would open and the choirs would sing. <laughs> yes, yes. So you, regardless of what, actually, to be honest, at this stage, she could vote for any kind of Brexit, surf, soft Brexit, hard Brexit, <laughs> curly Brexit, squishy Brexit. Yes, there would be a collective sigh of relief, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've long <laughs> given up caring how, just... Do something. Anyway, sorry, that's Anything. here or there. It's completely... Well, you see, it, there's such a tight integration between our two islands. Like, I'm just, I've just been watching the last month looking at my credit card statement going, ooh, that'll be 20-odd percent more expensive next month, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, 
what was interesting about that proposal, so obviously it got utterly and utterly defeated, but you can't know that until you actually have the vote. So before the vote, people get to speak on each side of it. And Tim Cook had some interesting things to say. Now, I've quoted here in the show notes, I'm just going to read. Now, this is an uh, abbreviated quote, right? I'm not reading everything Tim said, and he was speaking off the cuff. So it's not, the grammar isn't as good as it would be if it was a written statement. But anyway, what caught my eyes, we live in a very polarised world today. And unfortunately, too often, people are identified in those respective camps. Um, Just me speaking in it, by those respective camps, he means conservative versus liberal. Uh, And the dialogue that should take place to find that 99 or 95 percent commonality or areas of interest doesn't happen. Now, we're too busy deciding who's a conservative and who's a liberal to actually have a conversation about what we agree about, which I certainly agree with Tim on. Mm. Anyway, quoting Tim again. I don't believe in that polarised world. I think it's bad. I think it's something I would love to help blow up. Okay, that's quite strong language for Tim. It's my voice again. Okay, so back to Tim's voice. Uh, What we do is we engage with people in all political parties. I'm a big believer in engagement. You can imagine if you're a gay man from the South, you don't exactly ask everybody, everybody whether you agree with that lifestyle or you don't have a lot of friends. That's just jumping back into Bart's voice here. But yeah, I I can see how growing up in that way would help you to engage with people you disagree with. I think you, if you live that life, you have to be able to compartmentalize and say, I may not agree with you on X, but I can still have a conversation with you about Y, which I think explains why, unlike every other tech leader, Steve uh, Tim Apple shows up in the White House. Hmm. Anyway, back to Tim voice. Uh, So I don't check people at the door as to who they are and what they believe. I care about skills and capabilities and contributions. I think that for us, we focus on policy things. We are pro-environment. We are pro-immigration. We do believe in diversity in a strong way, in a broad way. We're capitalists. We believe in privacy. These things to us are not political things. They are policies. We don't look at the politics of it. We think about the policy of it. So Which is I, where it should be. Yeah, so I, I just, I, I was reading these remarks and I was just thinking, okay, this is the most I have seen into Tim's inner thoughts and into the effect of his background on who he has become as a human being in a very long time. And so while the shareholder meeting didn't make news because nothing dramatic happened, I thought it was worth us dwelling on for a bit because the human being at the head of Apple, we've seen a lot of him here in that short piece. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, as you as you read through that, you sort of most a lot of people will be going, "Oh yes, tick," and "Oh yes, tick," and <laughs> yeah, except for except for those at the extreme on one well, side exactly. or the other. Yeah, the extremists are always going to object because it's too accommodating. It's too reasonable. Yeah, yeah you're right because yeah. it's not can, just can, one extremist can, or the can, other; it's both would disagree <laughs> with this. You know, you yeah. have the people saying you shouldn't meet with, you should never engage with President Trump. And then you have people going, you should completely agree with President Trump. And Apple are kind of going, no, no, you know. No, we don't have to do either one of those things. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do whichever one is appropriate based on the policy we're talking about at the time. And that's how it should be. In yeah. my, So basically, I think Tim Cook rocks. I think what this comes down to is Bart is just fawning over Tim Cook momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> and we're standing embarrassingly, embarrassingly by the side. <laughs> yeah, so basically, I, I think I'm developing a man crush on Tim Cook, I think is what this boils down to. Um, no, some good words there, definitely. And the other very unusual thing that happened is that a small amount of actual news was made uh, when an actual Apple executive made an actual 
pronouncement about an actual Apple product that is not actually released, which almost never happens because their answer is always, we don't talk about upcoming products. In this case, they went, yep, we're bringing video out over USB-C to the iPad Pro. So there you go. If you have an iPad Pro and you want it to do video out over its shiny new USB-C port, stay tuned. A software update at some vague point in the future will give you what you want. Yeah, and I don't think it really came as a surprise. You know, the, the feature doesn't. I, the fact that they no, said it does. No. Yeah, well, that's true. But I mean, we're we're we're. I don't think we're that far away from all iOS devices going to USB C because it just it just makes sense in uh, so many different ways. I would. I I think you're wrong because of how much backlash they got last time they changed the port. I think we're another two or three years away. Well, well I don't know because you know we had we had the the thirty pin port for about ten years. And mm-hmm. we've had we've had the lightning port for six to seven years. Has it been that long? Yeah. It seems like yeah, only it was, yesterday everyone was, was losing their ever-loving mind. It was when, <laughs> you know, I think it was the iPhone 5 that introduced it. Okay, maybe I'm coming around to your way of thinking. Maybe enough time has passed, but I just... I just think they're they're going to be slow about it because well, there's they're, so they're many gonna, things. They're going to get slammed. You know, yeah. the, the thing is, there are so many accessories that were available under the 30-pin connector and now that are available under uh, uh, the lightning cable that it doesn't matter when they do it. They're <laughs> going to get slammed no matter what they do. And the people who are, you know, uh, you know, 30-pin connectors forever, you know, that they'll, yeah, yeah. they'll jump on the, the lightning port forever bandwagon. And, you know, Apple shouldn't have done this because, you know, excuses, no, no, no. Yeah. one, two, three, four. And it's like, you know what, this is this is where the industry is going. The industry is going to a single connector that is uh, multidirectional. It doesn't matter which way you push it in. It just works. And it's pretty much universal for both USB and for... Uh, I was about uh, to make the joke that the U in, U in USB genuinely is for universal. It's the universal yeah. serial bus. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And so this is where, this is where it's going. And if you can have... One connector that has the the speed and the bandwidth that can handle damn near anything that you could throw at any Mm. one of these devices, well, then just do it. And the people who are so stuck in the past that they're going to complain mightily about it can hang on to their iPhone 6s and iPhone 7s until the cows come home. And, you know, if they're still that upset about it, go buy something else. Uh, you know, I'm 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 tired of, of accommodation for for things that just don't make any sense. I'll well, hold on there, Sonny. I don't understand what's <laughs> wrong with the 1837 specification. Get the hell is, off is, is my lawn. Is it just a little too early, guy? Because at the moment, it's only high-end laptops have the USB-C ports. It's still sort of a premium feature. If you give it another two, yeah, three years, I think USB-C will be in every laptop. And at that stage, with Bluetooth 5 being more universal, the amount of things that physically get shoved into anything will have gone right down. I yeah, it, because, it, I mean, we're, we're moving toward a wireless world. We are. And as that happens, the number of physical ports that any device is going to have is going to drop. So the, the quicker that people move to USB Thunderbolt, whatever they want to call I guess USB 4 is going to be a, some kind of conglomeration of both of them. Well, no, I mean, uh, USB-C the, the, the is a connector. It will be for everybody. U- USB-C is a connector. Thunderbolt yes, and USB-4 yeah. are protocols that run over that connector. Right. right. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I don't know, I think there's a, there's an alternative universe, actually, which is where the iPhone go, the, the iPhone iPhone, so not not the iPad Pro, but the, the non-Pro iOS devices will go from having one lightning port to zero physical ports. And in this universe, everybody has goatees. That's a Star Trek joke. <laughs> it, I think it's just as possible as a switch to USB-C. evil. It'll make people just as cranky, and Apple might just go, well, sod it, we're done with these physical holes. Just call it a yeah, day. Well, it's a pro feature. Have a nice day. Carry on. We shall see. It's easier to waterproof them, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. yeah. No well, water comes in through I'm a nut hole. Forward, I'm looking forward to when Apple releases air power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold your powder dry for about 10 minutes <laughs> yeah that that's later on yes before we get to that we have um a, a story which would be apple legal latest were it not kicking off and i think i think this story is a big enough story that it deserves full a full court press for this installment and then we can track it over the next couple of months so there is a whole new apple v xxx that's going to run on forever and ever has just kicked yep. off Spotify, who are a European corporation, have filed a complaint with the European Commission, uh, sorry, the European Competition Court, uh, alleging that Apple are being anti-competitive. And this is obviously going to take quite some time to wind its way through the bureaucracy of Europe. So we shall be watching this for a while. Um... At the, the way things stand at the moment is that um, there's, there, there's some disagreement about the facts between Apple and Spotify. So Spotify have released a blog post by their CEO and they've released a website called timetoplayfair.com where they have a funny little video um, and as well as their English text of their case. And from Apple, we have an official response posted on apple.com. Um I would my personal reading of it is that Spotify are far from completely correct and Apple are far from completely correct. I basically think Spotify have a point but they're wrong on a whole bunch of stuff. And I yeah. So basically I think the 30% is too high and it's not going to stand but I don't think it's yeah, Spotify are basically saying that Apple shouldn't be charging them for stuff because they're not getting anything from the App Store. And Apple's like, yeah, most of your customers are completely 100% free and you're using all of our infrastructure. So actually, we should be taking something off you. It's like, yeah, you should be taking something, Apple. But 30% is an awful lot of something. And then Apple are like, yes, but it's only 85. So it's only 15% from the second year on. It's like, yeah, that's still an awful lot of stuff. Well, you know, here's in in my opinion, Apple should get uh, a one-time subscription fee from people that are just signing up, and at that point on, they're they're not. I mean, yeah, hmm. they sort of are using Apple's services in a way, but for, but it's mostly just to get the application because but the no, music it, and everything it's else the monthly is billing and from, stuff is, as well, right? So you, you could argue a two three percent service charge would be a hundred percent legitimate yeah i, I think part or, of the problem just oh. once they sign up they just you know it's like okay you do all this with spotify now we you know we're we're no longer going to be part of it you see that's actually the thing i think apple are the most wrong on is that right now as it stands if you choose to do your own billing which you can choose to do but if you choose to go that route 
Apple's App Store rules forbid you from mentioning that fact in your app. Yeah, that's And that's user hostile. And that is not Apple-like. And that's exactly the kind of thing the European Commission tend to get their panties in a bunch over because the whole point Mm. of consumer protection is to protect the consumer from consumer hostile behavior. And this is consumer hostile behavior. So this nonsense of basically saying... You either use our payment processing or you're not allowed to tell users how. I don't see that standing. No, I don't either. But as far as the 30% goes, you know, for the very first time that the user signs up, okay, you know, Apple would get, and whether it's for a month or a year, I don't care. Apple would get a 30% cut of that. At that point, Spotify you take care of, of credit card payments. You take care of all that yourself, and Apple won't have anything to do with it. And if, if an Apple user has a complaint about your service, Apple can just say, okay, well, here is Spotify's customer service. Uh, if you don't get the answer that you're looking for, well, hey, here's Apple Music for $10 a month. You see, I think that if Apple were asking a more reasonable figure, um, uh, uh, what Bart said, really, two or three percent um, to cover well, that's their costs. Ongoing. Yes, yes, but to cover well, yes, because the the infrastructure that they provide is ongoing. Um, well, uh, the service itself is not. The service no, it is, it is guy. It is. If you sign up through Apple Services, Apple are doing the billing every month, so Apple have to pay Mastercard. Well, I'm not talking about the billing. I'm I'm talking about the service itself. Okay, but that's why you're paying the thirty percent cut, right? You only pay that thirty percent cut if you have Apple do the billing for you. If you don't have Apple do right. the billing, you don't pay Apple a cent. Right, and that that's fine. I, okay, you know, but Apple so the thirty percent is... of that one-time fee. I don't have a problem with it. But it's not a one-time fee, right? There's either no fee ever to Apple or it's an ongoing recurrent processed by Apple. What you're describing is impossible. That's part of of Spotify's argument. No, no, Spotify's argument is they're not allowed to tell people that they can go outside of the Apple ecosystem, which is why this whole rule of you're not allowed to tell people that there's alternative billing, that's the problem. Okay, and I agree with that. I I think that Apple is wrong. Yes, they are wrong. I, I will flat out say it. I think they're just... they're being hostile to me the Apple user I shouldn't suffer because of Apple's business negotiations but I I also agree with what you said originally Bart and that that is that there's faults on both sides this isn't a simple one's right and the other's wrong this is one of those situations where they're both a bit wrong and they're both a bit right (laughs) yes yes that's it exactly because I need to say Spotify that's, that's not don't. How, that's not how lawsuits are settled, though. But this no, isn't a lawsuit, not. right? This is a complaint to the uh, competition, right? This is the competition authority. So it's 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 already it's on the way. You yeah, know but is. no, the competition authority is much more likely to say this this aspect of what you're doing, Apple. It's not going to be a yes no. It's going to be a, Spotify has a point here. They don't have a point here. It's going to be much more nuanced than yes no, mm. and much more long lasting. <laughs> It's uh, we're going to be watching this one for a long time, um, but it will be interesting things. because they're not the only ones, are they? There's a lot of other uh, services out there that do a similar thing yeah. that use Apple's infrastructure. Well, um, you see, so. but Spotify are an example of the people in the absolute worst situation because they're Spotify don't own their own content. So they are already yeah. a, they the only thing they do is make money by skimming a little bit off the top of by uh, for selling other people's stuff, and Apple's thirty percent makes that business model impossible. 
because they're not creators. They're just resellers. And a reseller who has to give up 30% can't resell. Mm, interesting. Yeah. The, the other thing that Spotify are harping on about is that Apple are referee of the App Store. And that is something I... They, they, Apple needs to retain that. And it would be against yes. everyone's interest if somehow... Elizabeth Warren got her way and Apple were forced to either make no apps or to stop policing the app store. Neither of those are good for us human beings. Both of those would be terrible outcomes. Yeah. I mean, maybe the answer is there needs to be some sort of arbitration process that's handled by a neutral third party. Fine. That's fine. But we cannot be forced... Like, forcing the, the iOS store to become... The Google Play Store before Google did yeah. even the, the little bit of work they're doing at the moment. Because Google, too, police. They're just not as good at it. Um, it, it I mean, that would be a disaster for us. Yes. Mm. So we shall have to watch this one. Um, I As I say, I think we're, this is going to run and run. So I'm going to move us on from it because we have so much more news this month. Um so we all knew there was a big Apple event coming on. We had Showtime, you know, the, the big invite came out. Yeah. What we were not expecting is that the week before the Showtime event would be pretty much an entire week of Apple hardware news. Um, now, the first thing I'm going to talk on in this section is something that happened actually the week after the, the event, but I think we should just get it out of the way. Um, it is official. AirPower is not shipping ever. It is dead. They have killed Say the project. No. They failed. <laughs> they they basically said we were not able to make it actually perform to a level we think is good enough to ship as a product, so we've killed it. And I believe the issue is entirely to do with heat and basically the laws of physics. So there exist multi-device chargers, but they're all on the form of... They're basically three chargers in one housing. And so you have yeah. to put a phone here and then another phone here and then another phone here. Like There's three entirely separate coils with three hotspots. You can't just throw your stuff on the pad. You have to put it over the appropriate coil. What Apple were promising with AirPower was a generic pad that you could just put your devices anywhere on the pad and the pad would figure it out and the pad would realign itself so that all of the devices charged anywhere on the pad, which would have been really cool. And a whole bunch of engineers and physicists were like, Dutch, cool, but impossible. And it turns out the laws of physics do actually win over Apple's reality distortion field sometimes. <laughs> we, are, we are Apple. We don't need no physics. <laughs> yeah, so it's we a, don't need no stinking physics. <laughs> it's a very embarrassing... Uh, Apple very, very rarely get up on stage, promise something, and then utter, like, completely fail. So like I think and, it was a white and, and iPhone. They announced, it, they announced it so early as well, didn't they? I mean, well, they announced was it, it when they went ago? to Qi, right? So they, they announced it along with their first Qi charging devices, right? As a sort Which of way of saying, ago, you know, we're, we're really into Qi. This Qi thing is not a whim, right? We're serious about Qi, and so they felt the need to announce that they were working on this product to, to show that the, you know this whole contactless charging thing not contact it's not wireless either right there's a really great big wire between the chi pad and, and the power outlet this non-port you know just contact charging is something we're serious about and i think that's why they wanted to announce it and 
obviously the engineers over promised to management management believed them and I think there's an off I think someone said you know there's a new case study at Apple University that every new exec is going to have to learn and I'm, I'm hoping Apple are doing some serious soul searching here because this, this is bad yeah it just proves that all companies make mistakes sometimes even the biggest yes as Warren ones. Buffett put it Apple are a company who can afford to make a few mistakes this is true we're not in the 90s anymore Yes, yeah, I mean, there was a time, indeed, when Apple were one mistake away from not existing. Thankfully, that's over. Uh, so then we get into the fun stuff. Newbies, new new things uh, announced by press release. So the first is a new pair of iPads. We have uh, the resurrection of the iPad Air as a thing, and we have the very long overdue, one could argue, refresh of the iPad Mini. Both of these are dramatically new for their name, but not all that new for the under the hood technology. If you scratch the iPad Air a little bit too hard, what you will find underneath is an iPad Pro 10.5 inch previous model with a new lick of paint and a shiny new A12 processor in it. And what you'll find in the new Mini is a slightly shrunk version of that same previous generation yep. iPad Pro. Again, these are these are these are really uh, for the price of, of amazing iPads, Very and powerful. the fact that uh, the iPad Air is so close in power and performance to the iPad Pro pretty much says to me, you know, if I have to choose between the two of them and they both have smart connectors so that you can use the uh, uh, the smart keyboard, you can use either, uh, well, you've got it here, the, the Logitech Crayon or the Apple Pencil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I frankly, um, unless your needs are so extreme that you need that little bit of performance boost that you get from the iPad Pro, I would go with an iPad Air. Or you need the USB-C port, which to yeah. me is still their defining pro feature at the moment. Or right you now, want most that 12-inch don't screen. need it. You're right. Only real pros need a pro. Yeah. Do you know, um, so this gives us even more varieties of iPad. And, and while uh, I know a lot of people will be happy to see the mini, uh, make yes. a resurgence, um, are there too many? I don't it, I, think so, Nick, because I think they all fill a different niche quite well that I that well, you described to humans. I, the only reason I, the only reason I ask is, um, I mean, I've I've been podcasting a little while now myself, as you know. Yes, uh, and I've changed my mind about things, um, and I can remember quite a lot of people in various podcasts saying, uh, "Well, yeah, but Apple Apple concentrate on you know just two or three products and they do them really really well." Who are now saying exactly the opposite, opposite, and actually saying, "No, we need this big diverse wadge of stuff because, well, because so that everyone's got you know different niche, so that they can fit into those." And it just seems that they've changed what they were saying from a few years ago um, because that's changed. Maybe, but to me, I see an analogy to the iPod market, right? As the product matures, the iPod went from being a single, you know, 10,000 songs in your pocket to this range of devices from the screenless one you clip on while you're jogging through to the massive video iPod. 
because as the product evolved, it met more needs. And to, to me now, you have people who care about portability want that new Mini. There was yeah. a real demand for that new Mini. You have 99% of every, well, not 99, but you have the majority of other people want the iPad Air, right? It's a, it, it's a typical tablet size, 4 by 3 screen, supports the pencil, supports the keyboard. It's just an all-round good device at a fair price. Then you have the price-sensitive people who the iPad, no other name, is an amazing device for its price. And then you have the pros. And I think very few people need the but pro if, machine, if, but those who need it, need it. If you're not an Apple person and you're going into an Apple shop for the first time, yeah. are you not going to find this somewhat confusing? I don't think so. I think if I you're going would. in for size, you have a choice of one. If you're going in for price, you have a choice of one. And if you're not either of those two, you've really just got a choice between the the regular iPad and the iPad Air. And that, you could argue, is perhaps a little bit too much choice, but I'm not, I, I don't know, I, it's not too difficult. But I think the, the pros, the way they're priced, are just not going to feature for people who are not in need of proness. Well, I think it's more along the I, line I just, of... I just think that it's confusing that there's so many... I mean, I don't mean just these two, obviously. I mean, the whole line... There's so much choice now that... It's not that many. It's the Mini, the Air, the Regular, and the Pro. So it's four. And you can argue there's two Pros, so you can argue it's five. But that's no bigger than the iPod line was when the iPod was Apple's single biggest product. Or the former Mm. desktop line. You know, they've shrunk desktops down to basically two models. You've got a Mac Mini and you have the iMacs. And theoretically, the pro again someday. Well, yeah, but it's still it's still a well, f- yeah. But we haven't seen that yet. Well, they still uh, sell one. You've got oh, three three basic models in the iMac line: uh, the Pro, the twenty seven, and the twenty one point five. And then you have basically two different Mac Minis. But really, what what it comes down to right now, without without a Mac Pro, you have your choice between two different desktop lines and as time has has gone on and apple has become more diverse in their in their mobile computing uh market for lack of a better term you know we've we've had a a multitude of of different laptop devices and now we're starting to see that as well with ios where we have you know if you portability you've got the iphone for uh, if you want a slightly larger screen, you've got the iPad mini and, and all the way up the line. And iPads, the iOS will meet the computing needs of, of probably 90 plus percent of the people that are out there that, you know, aren't so, so buried into a desktop metaphor hmm. that uh, the tablet metaphor will be good enough to do what it is that they do. You've, you've got a device that will last you know, seven to 12 hours without being connected online, you, you can get them with a cellular connection so that you don't have to have them hardwired into something. And again, you know, the, these these devices will meet the needs of, of nearly everyone that uses computers. So is there still a 9.7 inch or has that gone long ago? That's uh, gone. Well, Wait, no. It, it, what, no, what size is, is the iPad? This is no where name? I think it's confusing. So is there a 9.7? There's a 10.5. There's a... Well, can, don't, look at, don't look at them in terms of size, Nick. You're, you're looking at it wrong. No yeah. one goes in looking for the, 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 that way, right? You have the Mini, the Air, the No Name, and the Pro. 
Yeah. Mm. And the, pro, the pros are 11. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that the average Joe just. Uh, uh, well, really the average Joe wasn't going to come in looking for nine for a ten point five versus a nine point whatever inch tag. I, I was listening to a store, pod- look at the price tags, pick them up, hold them in their hand. They go, oh yeah, that one. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast uh, earlier in the week where someone said that, that they know people in stores, and even the store people are getting confused by the the what to recommend to people. I found it really straightforward. I've had family members ask me in the last year, and I said, just get the iPad no name. And now it's just get the iPad Air. Well, yes, you're in a good position to recommend that. <laughs> yeah, but I think someone uh, in a shop well, should be too, in fairness. Like, why are they, if they don't understand what they're selling, why are they in the shop? Maybe so. Maybe so. Anywho, um, next to arrive on the scene, actually, I'm not sure I have these in chronological order, but the next in our show notes are the AirPods Two. Um, the big difference is a new brain in the teensy-veensy little headphones. Um, we have moved from the W1 chip, which stood for wireless, to the H1 chip, which stands for headphones. And what you get is ever-present Ola Siri and more talk time. Uh, but you retain the oh, and also quicker connects. Um, it's it, it's quicker to pair with your device and to jump from device to device as you move around, and you get all of that for the same listening battery life, but longer talk time. Totally good. A related statistic, which does not surprise me in the slightest, is that the AirPods have captured sixty percent of the wireless in-ear headphone market in Q four of twenty eighteen. Given how many of these devices I see on regular ordinary folks, yeah, ranging from you know middle-aged ladies doing their grocery shopping to hip young teenagers with sneakers that cost more than my house, <laughs> everyone in between, there are those little white sticks everywhere. You've got to admit there's something very special about putting them in your ears and hearing that little pudding and knowing you're connected. Used a pair because away I, you go. I detest the concept of putting anything in my ear. I will not do it. Uh, right. <laughs> but I, I mean, I just uh, consider compared to other Bluetooth devices. I mean, just they're just so straightforward. I uh, see what I want Apple yeah, to do is to take that same amazing Bluetooth brains and uh, that the H1 chip basically, and just give it to me in a bone conducting form factor. And then I will be a convert for life. <laughs> yes. So implant it. No, 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 no. Bone conduction. <laughs> no, I want to be able to take them off. That's very, 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 very important. Nothing in my ear, and I want to be able to take them off. They're very important. Um, we also then got a little bit of TLC for the iMac. Not not huge. Basically, the speed bump, people have been saying, Apple just need to do these speed bumps every year. Well, this year, you got your speed bump. Um, yep. Better CPUs, better graphics, same physical shape. So, jolly good. Yeah, jolly good. Nothing more to say, really. Yeah. And I'm Apple so... also lowered the prices on MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and Mac Mini SSD options. So if you want the optional SSD in just, those devices. Just a little bit. Pardon? <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but look, less but is less. They're still including, they're yeah. still including fusion drives. Ugh. Sorry, Guy, I adore my fusion drive. I, there is no earthly way I can afford three terabytes of solid state. I'm sorry, I'm not made of money. This is my desktop machine. I yeah. really do need... Well, I have it too. I have it too. The, but I keep getting, with GarageBand, disk too slow errors. And it's just so frustrating. 
Yeah, Gaz and I chatted about it um, on your show. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because it's, I, it's I, I our show. Here. It's our show. It's not my show. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. And um, ten years, yeah, by the way, I, I have exactly the same years. problems. Yeah. Anywho, uh, also in much less spectacular news, if you like Apple's new iPhone XS smart battery case, but you think that you know <laughs> white is just too boring, you may now have it in pink. You may also have a whole mm. bunch of new watch bands in the new spring colours for 2019. So with all that set yeah, up, by I the must way, be boring. I just have I just have an extra long black band for my iWatch. Sorry, my Apple Watch. I did not say iWatch. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> really, really fond of my grey and white uh, Nike sports band, I have to say. But again, yeah, it's very I, boring. I, I bought a third-party leather um, watch uh, strap, mm. and that's all I've ever worn. I have third-party sport loops I wear in the summer when it gets too warm and I get all sweaty. But in the winter, I do like the sports band from Apple. Anyway, um, finally, we get to the news I was expecting to be talking about for the for March of 2019, Hurrah. which is Apple's March event, and this time named Showtime. So it was a services event that Apple told us. Yes, it was. From moment one, that that's what it would be about, and that's what it was about. And what made me extremely happy was that we got Storyteller Tim, who had obviously been paying attention in Apple University to the bit where they say that you have to have a story to tell, otherwise people won't understand the context. So Tim basically gave us, you know, Apple's big picture thinking on services and the fact that there actually are underlying values here. And they hammered home the concept of privacy and they hammered home the importance of family sharing. And I was, both of those things made me so happy to see because if you want to avoid piracy, what you do is you offer people a fair product at a fair price. And in reality, a service is for a family. It's not for an individual. It's ridiculous to think that people should buy music for me and music for my kids. No, you're a family. You just buy music. And the same goes for everything else. So I was just really happy to see those two things feature in Steve's story. And then with the story. Tim's story. Hmm? Or Tim's story. Sorry, did I say Steve? Yes, you did. (laughs) Anyway, Tim's story. My apologies. Tim's story. Okay. And the fact that there was a story, like I said, I I like it when Apple do that because it means... The the reason the first Gen Watch was so weird is because it didn't have a story. And then when they figured out the story, the the Gen 2 and Gen 3 were amazingly better products. And and watchOS got amazingly better when they knew what the product was for. So anyway, with that out of the way, we we got stuck in and they started off being all serious, uh, talking about um, news. But actually, I'm going to go slightly out of order in our show notes. So I'm going to get the technological one out of the way before I forget the details. So the technological service that Apple announced is Apple Card, which Mm. is arguably the logical place that Apple Wallet was always going to go. But it's a credit card. Offered by Apple. At the moment, it's United States only, but um, Apple on stage said they wanted to expand it. And Goldman Sachs, who are the banking partner for this card, their CEO has also been quoted in the media as saying, absolutely, we're going beyond the US with this. So that as as someone in Ireland who is a huge Apple Pay user, I I want this. Um, And that was just a damn credit card. Yeah, so let's just say what it is, right? So, I mean, credit cards have existed since at least the 1980s. Um, but Apple's well, long take on, before them. Well, I don't know. I wasn't around before then, so I don't know. Okay. 
I know there used to be physical things that you went clunk, clunk. Yeah. Um, so Apple's take on this is that the card is primarily an Apple Pay card. So its primary existence is as a piece of software in your Apple Wallet app. And when you look at the card in that app, what you get is your standard touch-to-pay NFC-style card, which is what you're used to for Apple Pay. Uh, It also then has extra UI that you don't get at the moment as an Apple Pay user. So it has UI to show you a card number and CVV code that is not permanent. Now, it doesn't change every N weeks. Instead, you, as the user of the card, get to decide when to rotate it. But you don't need to talk to your bank. You don't need to do anything. You just push a button and you have a new virtual card number and CVV2 number, which means that if you need to do an online transaction that is not Apple Pay supported, or if you need to do something over the telephone, you open up your iPhone, you go to the wallet app, and you read off this number and CVV code. And so that gets you out, that deals with touch to pay everywhere, that deals with all online transactions, and that deals with all telephone transactions. So the only thing that is not covered by this entirely virtual credit card is physical in-store use of the card without NFC. So without touch to pay, which is obviously going to become less and less and less and less over time. And for that, and for that only, Apple offer you a companion physical card, which is, because its only job in life is for those rare situations where you need, sorry, in Europe it will be massively rare. We have NFC ubiquitously, so we wouldn't need this at all. But in America, it's not yet there. So in America, this is a real problem to be solved. So in America, you get this beautiful credit card, but the only thing it's for... Yeah, the, I mean, it was a titanium, wasn't it? Yeah, it's titanium etched with your name, etched with the Apple logo, and that's pretty much all it has. Yeah. And, oh, of course, and the chip. Yeah, so it is a chip and pin card, and it has a mic stripe. Yeah. So it is only for... That's so it. if you, Now, there is no credit card number written on that card. The only reason credit card no. numbers were on those cards originally was because originally you had a piece of carbon paper that you ran over it with a machine that went chunk, chunk. That's why those. That's why they're embossed, and that's why they're on your card. They're not needed in the twenty first century. What they are is a gigantic security hole that anyone who sees your card can steal your money. Just like anyone who has a smartphone that can take a picture, or anyone can just steal your money. Really, I mean, it's absolutely nuts that these numbers are still written on the outside of our cards. There hasn't been a physical clunk clunk machine. Even in America, that's completely behind on on credit card processing. Even in America, you haven't had a clunk-clunk machine in a decade. So why are the cards still written on the card? Are the numbers still written on the card? No bloody reason. Because banking banks don't want to make changes that, for one reason or another, upsets the Apple card. They they want things to remain exactly the same. I don't think it's even want. I think it never occurred to anyone to ask the question. I think it's just this inertia to the point of no one even thought to ask. Is what my personal theory. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So the point is, this is already more secure because it is... You, you can't look at the card. If someone physically steals the card, they actually can't use it online. The only thing they can do there's is... There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Now, in America, recently, the rules have changed. So it used to be a case that you could validate a card with a signature, which was completely pointless because there was no actual way for the bank to really check a signature. It was just a token gesture. 
Um, but what changed in America now is that the official rules are if you must swipe, which is to be avoided wherever possible, if you must swipe, you must show ID. So if you have this Apple card, you swipe it and then you show your ID. So that's completely secure. If they steal your card, they don't have your ID. They're safe. If you chip and pin, or I believe you people call it dipping. So if you dip your card, you then must use the pin. So again, if they steal the card, they don't have your pin, so they can't dip it either. So actually, this physical card has ceased to be this catastrophic security hole where you must panic like all panic stations the moment you lose it because the thing has written on it all the information needed to steal all of your money. Those days are gone. There's no CVV number. There's no expiry date. There's no card number. None of it is on the cards. If the card is stolen, it's an inconvenience, but it's not a massive gaping security hole anymore. So this is really different. And in the other way it's really different is in Apple's tr- core strength, which is the software interface. So I said that one of the things that's different to the current Apple Pay experience is that you don't, you see the one time, the, the non-permanent card number and non-permanent CVV2 number for use over the phone or online. The right, other for thing each you, transaction. Yeah. The other thing you see in there now, if you have one of these Apple cards, is all of your history with that card including some machine learning to turn the cryptic codes that are on my credit card statements into the actual names and places of actual stores, which is convenient. And there's an interface to allow you to understand the impact of choosing to pay some or all of your balance in terms of how much it's going to cost you in interest payments. Not so many percent APR, so many dollars in real life. As in, if I pay back half of what I owe, I will be paying $4.50 in interest. If I pay all of what I owe, I'll be paying $0 in interest, whatever the actual numbers are. And it's a slider and you basically slide and it will tell you, well, if you only pay that much off, then you're going to be paying this much in interest. And then the other thing they do is they give you free money. Um, you get 3% cash back and it is actually, it's cash back, not vouchers. It goes into your Apple Pay cash account, which you can just use as cash. It's basically a debit card. Um, 3% for everything you buy off Apple, be that in an Apple store, iTunes, app stores, anything from Apple is 3%. If you do it using Apple Pay in any way, i.e. not using the physical card, it's 2%. And if you do it with the physical card, it's 1%. So if you're buying a shiny new iMac or something, 3% is by no means to be sneezed at. Especially if you start at the refurb store. Yes, which I'm a huge proponent of doing. Huge proponent of doing. While I can see that this is an elegant and clever solution Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a very Apple way of doing things, Mm -hmm. I found myself asking myself, why would I want this? And now, now I know, you know, I credit won't. cards are uh, credit cards are necessary uh, in our modern world. But I've got Apple Pay, so why do I need a credit card on top of that? And I, personally, I don't. But I, I realise that some people will. Um, uh, so apart from Apple's aspirations to become even more like a bank. <laughs> uh, 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 and do it better than the banks, which is no doubt what they're aiming at. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really see. For me, well, it, uh, imagine it was a future. That, I don't really want right? won't get the cash back for one thing. Well, okay, but Nick, imagine well, yeah, the but future, ca- right? So this is step one is a credit card. But there's no reason they can't move into debit. There's no reason they can't move into being able to replace your bank with Apple. And you know something? I would rather have a human-friendly company like Apple as my bank instead of a user-hostile company like my current bank, whose 
internet banking app is a piece of poop and whose website is a disgrace and whose practices are much less transparent than what Apple is offering to me through the Apple card. Uh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough, I suppose. I, 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 yet again, for me, I, I, I'm quite happy with Apple Pay and I don't really need a credit card that will charge me interest. <laughs> so, sure. um, yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people yeah. have credit cards. Uh, so if you have one, this is... This of, course, of course they do. Of course they do. Um, like I say, I, I think they're moving into more than credit cards. I think this is just step one. I think if they're moving into debit yeah. as well, and that changes things a lot for a lot of people because you've got to have one or the other, right? Yes, I suppose so. I mean, my bank in the UK is actually pretty good and their internet stuff's pretty good as well. So um, I suppose I'm in a unique position in that I'm quite happy with what I've got, but I, yeah, I envy. I, I can see, I can see it's, um, I can see it's a good step in the right direction. Well, and uh, remember and as well, that, make Apple more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that Apple, Apple, as a bank, if that's the direction that they're going in, they won't have to have branches all over the place like so many banks do now. I mean, no, that's true. You have a couple of physical banks in you know, major financial sections, but everything else is like, look, just go to the Apple Bank website and do everything that it is that you need to do there. You don't need to physically go and talk to someone to to do most of what it is that you use a bank for. It's just yeah, and in the so UK, that's are used to doing that. Yeah, in the UK, that's happening already. I mean, banks are closing yeah. all over the place. So. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not. The banks aren't closing. The branches are closing. Yes, because they're, I mean, they're completely unnecessary yeah. for the most part. Um, and another interesting thing. So again, Apple sort of affecting the industry. Uh, Mastercard have said that they can see other banks removing the physical numbers from the cards, just like Apple did. Well, that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah, someone's gone first, and now everyone has gone. Oh, Jesus! Would you look at that? Why didn't we think yeah. that? Uh, the only trouble is when you need to be able to remember your bank account number. <laughs> yeah, I often look at my card. <laughs> Audio ports. Sorry, excuse me. Audio ports. Sorry. Anyway, uh, the next story I want to focus on is, again, and I'm sort of picking on these because I don't think every other podcast on the planet is fixated on these, um, is <laughs> Apple Arcade, which is Apple getting into the business of providing a non-sucky business model for games. Because right now... Game developers have a real problem on iOS. It, iOS users have gotten used to the concept that if you have a physically small screen, you should pay very little money for an app, which is hmm. absolutely nuts to me because the size of the UI has no bearing on the amount of code involved. But for some reason, we think that a small app should be cheap. So it's very, very hard to sell a game for five euro, five pounds, five dollars very difficult people tend not to people balk at that so then you're driven into in-app purchases which is a very slippery road to the mm. evil path where you're, you're trying to you know trick people into buying smurf berries or god knows what or you're into riddling your app full of ads and none of those are particularly consumer-friendly features and games tend to be played by kids so then you're into a whole parenting issue where yes there are parental controls but you have to set them up, you have to use them, and then you have to have this constant war with your kids who don't, you know, they don't understand that you can't afford 20 million Smurf berries. They're kids. But they're being engineered by the developers who need to make a living 
into pestering the parents for the Smurf berries or whatever it is you're having yourself. Like it, it's it's just such a not dysfunctional business model. So something had to change. And Apple have come up with a potential solution to this problem to be solved. And that is what they're calling Apple Arcade. So this will be a subscription service with revenue share. So you as a user would subscribe to Apple Arcade and you would then have unlimited access to every game in Apple Arcade on a monthly basis with family sharing for the... There is one price, it is a family price. Again, this is we're down to family sharing is just built in. So you sign your family up and everyone in your family gets to play any Apple Arcade game for some monthly price. I don't believe... Was it announced at 9.99? Uh, I don't know if they announced uh, No, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Uh, Everyone seems to be assuming it'll be about that, but no, I don't believe it was announced yet. Um, The way it will then work is that depending on how many people actually play the game, sort of similar to how many people listen to a song on Spotify or whatever, Apple will then share revenue with the signed up developers in proportion to the use of their app. So the developers are incentivized to make games people will find fun, and the more people find them fun, the more they'll play them and the more they'll get paid. There are so do you no, think the so do you think the application developers will make more money this way? I don't know if they'll make more, but I think it is a business model that it is perfectly vi- that basically I think they'll be able to continue to make a healthy living without having to be evil. Yeah, uh, yes, I think I agree with that. Yes, that, that they're going to write things that are less annoying. <laughs> yeah, but they're incentivized because, to, because, right? they I think... ha- because they won't have to. Well, not uh, just they won't whether have they'll to. actually make more money out of it is debatable, isn't it? We'll have to wait and well, see. No, okay, think about it this way, right? In terms of incentives, if you annoy people in this business model, you lose money relative to if you don't annoy people. So the incentive is yes, to be not annoying. Yeah. Whether or not enough people are prepared to subscribe to games is an open question. Yeah. Is the pot we'll big see. enough? And are the games good enough? Because that's going to be the second question, isn't it? It is. I mean, we, saw, we saw some of them, and, and while they looked very good, they're not, they're not what you'd call traditional arcade games. But the iOS isn't a traditional gaming game, gaming platform either, and yet there's no... No, I, I, I agree. Anymore. Yes, I agree entirely with that. Um, I just, yeah, I'm just throwing out there that yeah. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> You're right, Nick, because we can't know. It's just, to me, this, is, this at least needs to be tried. As a as a way to have a non evil business model in the iOS App Store. Yes, I know it's going to make a lot of people who um, who have come across these shady practices with paying money more and more money to uh, within app mm-hmm. very happy indeed because people really don't like it at all, do they? I mean, I, I don't, don't have like kids it. and I don't like it. So I can only imagine no. if it was a constant war with my two-year-old, my three-year-old, my four-year-old, my five-year-old who just wants to continue to have fun with their mates and they're under peer pressure to have a shiny cloak or yes. a sparkly donkey or whatever it is. And children are designed to have very whiny voices because, you know, it's to do with being fed <laughs> and all that, you know. We, you're right. We are genetically engineered to not let kids be in want or they'll die. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really hope this succeeds. It, at, it's at least a sane idea. So I'm it, glad uh, yes, to see you get it. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, definitely. Right. So now we can move on to the two the two things everyone else has been talking about, but we should talk about two. So Apple News Plus first. So it's not US only, but it's not a million miles off that. It's, it's I believe it's US and Canada at the moment, and they are promising to roll it out further. And this is the only thing I believe announced that's actually available today. It is nine ninety nine a month. It has family sharing. 
and Apple do not share your details with the providers of the news. Now, news is the Which name Apple has given very it. cranky. Pardon? That made them very cranky. It did, which is why the New York Times is not among them. However, they did get some big names like the Wall Street Journal. So they're calling it Apple News, but it's not actually particularly big on gigantic big news organizations, although it does have the Wall Street Journal. Um, it's much, much, much bigger on magazines at the moment, presumably because their, their business model is under even more strain than the newspaper's business model. And so they're, they're really in need of some help here. And so it's a subscription service, so you subscribe. Again, family sharing built in. If you subscribe, your whole family gets to read stuff. And instead of you having to think of it in a per-magazine basis, you now get to start to consume this content in a per-article basis. And so if there's a topic that interests you that isn't confined to a single magazine, you can get that content from across the entire range of products. And Apple can suggest to you articles from across the entire range of products. So I fundamentally, I think that really, really changes the game. And there are some very big magazine names in there. If this is successful, I think more news services will follow because their business model is kind of based on being user hostile as well, right? Making you click buy pop-ups and advertising at you and generate tracking everything you do. Like their business model is fairly sucky as well at the moment. So if this is fiscally viable for them maybe more will join in so i I guess what people are probably picking up by now is that i hope this comes to ireland soon so that i can go play because it looks like a fun place to be to me i the the only difficulty that i had with it really i mean i i like the idea that you could drill down and find individual articles and things like that within multiple um uh magazines mm. um but that was uh, it, that's the only differentiator from readly which i already subscribed to um mm. and, and the nature of magazines is that you sort of read the magazines is um, it though because rather I've than given dip up on into the individual articles of that nature i i used to be a magazine subscriber and now i'm not and the reason i'm not is because is because i'm forced into that model and it, i i don't have time to read the national geographic I do have time to read two or three really good articles. But I can do that on the internet. But you can't, though, Not because always. you've been tracked and you have pop-ups and autoplay videos, like web pages that are 40 megabytes to show you two lines of content and then click to the next page and click to the next page. Like, t- to me, the, the, the fact that they don't have a proper way to get revenue out of you is resulting in them being extremely user-hostile. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's fine I mean, that's your I would, opinion would, no it is my opinion I, basically, I feel I don't feel comfortable with online consumption of these things because I think their websites are a case study in obnoxious uh, yeah I suppose so it, it's certainly um, unfortunately I went through the whole thing and said ah oh, it's not really for me uh, it's not really for me that's uh, not really for me. Oh no! Uh, so, which is which is fair enough. I mean, uh, obviously, Apple aren't doing a a, 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 um, a keynote specially for me. Um, Nor for me, I feel very let down. Yes. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I, I suppose so. It, it, you see, I'm not really a very big news person anyway. Um, so I, I don't use the original news. Um, uh, which app. still exists, by the way. The, the non-subscription stuff is going to continue to work as it does for the countries that have it, which is yeah. 
Yeah. And the fact is, uh, the fact is, magazine-wise, I don't actually read that much either. Even though I'm subscribed to Readly, I tend to glance. I glance through. I might read one article. So maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is better to just be able to get to the articles you're really interested in. But it depends on. It depends very much on how they present that information and how you get to it. It does. It which, does. Which, which in the past Apple haven't been that brilliant at. Let's face it. Well, Newsstand did not work, but Newsstand was based on full magazines. And yeah, no, I'm th- thinking about the I'm thinking about the App Store really and things like that. They're not always that good at surfacing really good stuff that's that's no. good for you. But uh, you know, maybe they'll be different with this. So who knows? Yeah, I want basically I want to play, but I can't because it's US Canada only. Not available yet. <laughs> patience, patience. And it's, You've learned a lot of that. <laughs> I am needing a lot of that. That was my that was the keynote sort of that was my refrain throughout the keynote. Oh, can't have. Oh, can't have. Although arcade is coming, like that's going to be pretty much worldwide on day one. So at least I will get to literally play yes. <laughs> when that comes yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and some of the TV stuff we'll get to in a moment, I will also get to play when that comes out. Uh, Guy, do you have an opinion on Apple News Plus? Uh, I haven't signed up for it. And I don't know if I'm going to. Um, for the most part, I also stopped reading magazines and newspapers uh, a very long time ago. So it would, you know, I, I will probably do the uh, the trial and see how how much I use it before making up my mind. To me, the the, the biggest thing would be will they will they bundle all of these together for uh for yeah, a decent I, price apple Prime, I mean, that's probably coming up yeah you're right and, and that's the, that that was completely missing from this announcement because so much of it was in the future and so little of it was in the present but when like yeah all well, of these things come out if they are if they are actually going to bundle it they couldn't say it at this event because then people would say well why should i sign up for apple news plus now right if it's going to be bundled in the future so you know yeah i understand why they didn't talk about it and they're also still negotiating right so the stuff that hasn't launched yeah. they're still negotiating they're still trying to get people in so of course they're not going to put everything out to some extent i think this keynote was about beating the rumor mill because if you're negotiating with lots and lots of third parties it is going to leak and so yeah. this way they got to tell us the story and now unfortunately we're playing a waiting game, which is a bit, it's different to hardware, right? And in hardware you can keep secrets better and so you can, you know, and you can pre-order today unless it's air power, which we shan't mention. Um, you know, but usually with the hardware they get to do that and it's right here right now. But with the services, I think a lot of people were expecting that and I wasn't because I figured if they were about to announce then we'd already know everything because it would have leaked. And we didn't already know everything, therefore they weren't ready to announce was my theory. Anyway, I have completely buried the lead here. So the big thing everyone was waiting for, of course, was the counterpart to Apple Music, which is, of course, the video version. So Apple TV Plus and Apple TV Channels, and they are actually two separate products. TV Channels is, for the moment, US only, and it is a way of basically using Apple as your cable company. So you would subscribe to TV channels like HBO and stuff through Apple TV Channels, and you will a la carte pick and choose, and I guess you will pay more or less depending on how big your cart is uh, that you're a la ing. And then uh, the change will be that instead of being bounced from app to app, you get to stay in the updated Apple TV app for all of your stuff that's coming in through Apple TV channels, which is a change yeah, from how I'm, the TV app works now. I'm curious to see 
you know, they they didn't really go that deep into how the what the UI is going to look like. Uh, no. I'm curious to see what the final product is going to look like. Yeah, and again, this was pre-announced rather than, and here it is today. So you're right, there's, there's yeah. a lot of shoes to drop. And then the big thing, Apple TV Plus, which is separate to Apple TV channels. So Apple TV Plus is going to be released at the end of later this year, but they have already said worldwide release. And the reason they can do that is because this is their original content. They don't have to negotiate different rights in different countries. It's their rights because it's their right. stuff. And so what we now know is that there is going to be a subscription service from Apple for content made by Apple, which has some big name people like Steven Spielberg. um, I keep saying Whoopi Goldberg when I don't mean Whoopi Goldberg, when I mean Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) I wish it was Whoopi, but it's Oprah. She's fine. I actually, I say she's fine. I I was really impressed by her, her little piece to camera, to be honest. Um, and uh, oh, I can't think of Miss Witherspoon's first name. Reese. Oh, Reese. Yeah, and Rachel from Friends, whose name I've just completely blanked on because I don't do names. Um, and other people from other shows. Oh, who, Jennifer. Jennifer Aniston. Thank you, and the, the, the your man Carell or something, Steve Carell. Yeah. Basically, and the guy lots from of big Aquaman names. Aquaman, and yeah. And honestly, I think they went way, way, way overboard with that. Um, here, it just went on uh, too long. <laughs> it did. It did. They, what they used to do in the United States before a network would have their premiere week, mm. um, typically they would get like a couple of stars from a current show. And then the night before the big premieres would start, they would come out and say, okay, well, here's like little glimpses of what's coming up next. Yeah. And they would spend like a 30 seconds giving you a preview of whatever the show is. And what Apple did instead was treat all of these new shows as if they were pitches for somebody to, to create them instead of saying, you know, these shows have already been selected. They're already going to be made. Here's the kind of stuff that you're going to see with a little 30 to 45 second blurb. And because we could, I, in all honesty, I didn't need to see Jennifer Aniston. I didn't need to see Aquaman. I didn't need to see Oprah. I didn't need to see all of the people that they trotted out for five to 10 minutes for each and every single one of these shows. Just Tim Cook or somebody who's, who's, you know, able to, to lay out what these shows are. And then just like a little 30 to 45 second clip, move on to the next one. It was way too long and too much self-congratulation. Leaving the stagecraft out of it, the actual content looked pretty good. Well, there's no way to know because they they didn't really show that much from it. Okay, well, I I am certainly interested in the fact that Oprah Winfrey is working on documentaries that are on fairly hard-hitting stuff because the fear was that it would be only low, you know, Apple are only interested in you know, Sunshine and Roses, but I didn't get the impression either of those documentaries involved very much Sunshine or Roses. Uh, okay, what were the documentaries about? Well, one of them was about the whole, the, the impact of sexual harassment on society. So that that's not going to be happy, happy, joy, joy. And um, I don't remember the other one immediately. Exactly. Exactly. That's That's what I'm saying is that there was very little substance. There was very little, here's what it's right. going to be. But it was a teaser. Know. Like, there were teaser trailers, and I felt teased. 
Well, I I have to disagree. I I think that it it went on way too long. That that they would have gotten more out of it by showing the actual product instead of having people come out and talk about it ad nauseum. Yeah, look, I don't care about the stagecraft. I did. Uh, I I agree. It's not the most compelling Apple event ever in that regard. But I was genuinely interested in the content. So. Again, it's going to come down to at the end of the year, if they announce that you can buy an, an, an Apple Prime, as I'm calling it, subscription, then this becomes, to me, these Apple TV Plus is an interesting component if I also get to have Apple Arcade and maybe Apple, Apple Music, Music at right. a reasonable price altogether. Then I'm and very, very interested. News Plus. News Plus yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, news Plus, they're not going to get worldwide. Right, they're not going to get News Plus worldwide yeah. by the end of the year. What's what? What is going to be worldwide is Apple Arcade, Apple Music, and Apple TV Plus. And so, if even those three can be bundled for us international customers into one fair price, then I'm in. Yeah, sign me up. Yep, I would agree. So you know, there's an awful lot still to come on this story, but I I I liked a lot of the direction I saw and. I just, you know, roll on later in the year when we start to see these services come out to those of us in the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, having heard some of the um, the the speeches near the end about what was coming up, um, I'm quite pleased I had to go out, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm television-wise, I'm I watch the occasional serious documentary, the. But on the whole, I tend to go for fairly flippant, <laughs> fairly lightweight watching. Um, and there's uh, a lot and, of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not sure it would appeal to me greatly. But as you say, if it was bundled with other things, um, then I, you know, just because it's a bit that doesn't interest me particularly, doesn't mean that I wouldn't uh, perhaps give it a try and see see how it goes. I think that's sort of everyone's feeling, right? Because this keynote really was about Apple beating the rumors. It wasn't really about, and here's everything you need to know. So the, it's, it's more of a, here's an aperitif. Now, yeah. we'll talk yeah. to you later when the chef has finished making dinner. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to draw a line under the Apple Showtime event. Um, and just one final story I just want to touch on. I put it in as a, as a, as a main story. In hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have, but... Uh, Joanna Stern resurrected Keyboard Gate uh, because she had another butterfly keyboard go kaput and she has a column on the Wall Street Journal and she decided that the Wall Street Journal column was a good place to have at Apple over these keyboards that really don't seem to be giving people what they want and rather surprisingly Apple responded with an apology like an actual, not a corporate mealy-mouth apology, an actual apology. You know, there are users who are experiencing problems, and for that, we are sorry. Not, if you are offended, we are sorry. No, no, unconditional, we are sorry for that. Thank you, Apple. Uh, but that doesn't actually get us any closer to these keyboards not sucking. Um, right. So, yeah, maybe I should have put this as a, as a quick story in hindsight. Well, I've I've never I've never owned a machine that have these, so I I don't really have an opinion on them. I have the Gen One butterflies in my twelve inch MacBook, and the Gen One butterflies were controversial because they were different, but not because they broke. Mm. Um, the Gen Twos were the first ones to break, and the Gen Threes supposedly fixed the problem. Only they don't seem to have. So the the Gen <laughs> One was really controversial because the travel is very low and it's different. And I'll be honest, I like my Gen 1 butterfly keys. 
but these Gen 2s that break, that doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Well, it's a feature. Yeah. Don't get dust to them, <laughs> they'll break. Yeah. Hello, welcome to planet Earth. It's a dusty place. Dust happens. Yeah, it, it, I mean, the, I think some of the big controversy was that uh, I think John Gruber said that this that this is doing lasting damage to Apple's reputation. And Ken Ray was particularly scathing about that comment. He was like, yeah, Samsung had phones that caught fire and grounded airplanes. And that didn't do any lasting damage to their reputation. And I'm thinking, really? Because they're the butt of every bloody joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I really think Apple used to have a name for their MacBook Pros being the best laptops, and now they can't even type properly. I, I just think they need... Whether, I don't actually care what they do technologically to make it work. They just need to make it work, and they probably need to rebrand it as anything but butterflies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. But you're right, yes, it, they, they, yeah, they just need to work. And, it, and really, it depends what they mean by a small number of users, doesn't it, really? Yeah, they sell a lot of products, small, so if it's 1%. A small number for Apple is probably quite a big number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we see the cranky people on social media, and I know the plural of anecdote isn't data, but I, mm. I, I think this problem is big enough that it, Apple really need to get their, you know, they, they need to fix this. Other manufacturers can make keyboards that don't fail to type. You know, anyway. Right. I'm going to just very quickly run through some quick stories before we call it a day for today. Um, it would appear that there is some movement on um, cons- repairs with third party battery replacements. Uh, this is a story that came out of France. And it seems that at least in France, there is a new policy with, uh, with regard to repairing iPhones with third-party battery replacements. Assuming the problem isn't with said third-party battery, Apple actually will repair iPhones now that have a third-party battery, whereas they wouldn't in the past. It's not really Which clear. Which they should. Yeah, should. And it's not really clear whether this is France only or if this is the start of a bigger process. So I think we need to keep our eye on it, but it's an interesting development. Therefore, I took it into quick stories. Um, something that's important, I think, to me and to the future of Apple is Apple in education. And there were two stories about that. So uh, Apple and Microsoft have teamed up to integrate Apple schools with Azure Active Directory, i.e. Office 365, to make it easier for schools to manage their managed Apple IDs for use with Apple schools. And that's a really big deal. Um, mm. Getting identity onto those school, the, those managed Apple IDs for schools, that's, to get that synchronized to, to Office 365 is a big deal. Also a big deal is to get that synchronized to G Suite. And that's where Jamf have partnered with Google to make it easier to get your Google, if you're a school that uses Google, to get your Googly stuff into your Apple devices through Jamf. So that's a big thing. So basically, if you're an Office 365 school, Apple and Microsoft have your back. And if you're a G Suite school, then Jamf plus Google have your back. Either way, you can get your Apple devices to integrate with your cloud identities from your chosen cloud identity person, You know, your, your, your chosen cloud vendor. So that's all very positive for getting more iPads and Macs into schools, which I think is just good for Apple and going forward to we, have. I think kids. we must be in a parallel universe, aren't we, with all these people working together? That's it's nice, isn't it? Strange. Yeah, it is, yes. <laughs> uh, Apple also released their 2019 Supplier Responsibility Report. There's nothing particularly newsworthy in it. Progress continues to be made. There continue to be work to be done. Um, so it's you know it's not a utopia, but it's very much continuing in the right direction and it's good to see Apple continue to be transparent and then finally we know when WWDC is going to be it is going to be from the 3rd to the 7th of June in San Jose 
Gosh, that's not very far away, is it? No, it's 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 the Let's Talk Apple after this one. Well, there's mm. one in between. It's it's basically it's it's yes, it's yeah. this one, and then the next one. That doesn't give them a lot of time to get their their soldiers in a row, or whatever the phrase is. Yeah, their ducks are. Yeah, exactly. The, ducks. They, they must the be one. getting very busy. <laughs> I guess it'll be a big circular row in the new spaceship. <laughs> it probably would. Yes. Folks, thank you ever so much for giving of your time. And I must say, I mean, yes, it's a longer show than average at an hour and a half and counting. There was a lot going on, though. Yeah, I think we did pretty darn well. So thank you, guys. Insightful, on point and fun. That's all I can ask for. Especially thank you. On point and insightful. Wow. (laughs) Usually usually you get one or the other with me. Not both. There you go. I bring out the best in you, guy. (laughs) Anyway, folks, thank you very much for, for giving of your time. Uh, before I let you introduce yourself, just to say that there will be detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie. I have show notes basically linking to all of the stories that inform my thinking about this month's news. While you're there, you'll see a large section in the sidebar called Support the Show. I want to thank everyone who does and who has supported the show, either by becoming a patron on Patreon, which is a fantastic way to pledge a small amount every month. The way it works is you pledge a small dollar amount per episode release. There will be exactly two episodes per month, one Apple, one photography. So if you think my content is worth $2 a month, pledge $1 per episode and I'll get $2 a month. If you think I'm worth a tenner a month, pledge five, you get the idea. And those of you who support the show on Patreon, thank you. You make this show possible. There are no advertisers. It is you who pay my bills. And if my bills don't get paid, podcasts don't get made. So literally, you guys are patrons of the show. Those of you who use the PayPal button, I really appreciate your support. It's a great way to send me a one-off, non, you know, one, basically something $5 and above through PayPal makes sense. Less than that doesn't really make sense because of the way PayPal's fee structure works. What you're basically doing there is donating money to PayPal instead of to me, um, <laughs> which is not what you want to do and not no. all that much help to me either. Uh, those of you who do donate through through PayPal, what you guys do is you make it possible for me to make the non-recurring expenses, things like new microphones, new microphone stands, like the lovely boom arm I'm talking into now, new software. Those non-recurring costs that make it possible for me to invest in the show and to make it better going forward. So I really appreciate everyone who's supported the show in that way. There are also ways you can support the show by helping yourself. If you are the kind of person who needs to register domain names, there is an affiliate link for Hover.com. If you buy your domain through that affiliate link i get a small gratuity from hover for having sent you their way only if you buy something though so don't don't bother clicking on it if you don't actually need a domain name and similarly if you are the kind of person who needs linux virtual machines and such nerdy goodery or nerdery goodness then uh, i use digitalocean and i have an affiliate code with digitalocean and the great thing about the digitalocean affiliate code is it actually gives both you and me some free money assuming you sign up and actually buy at least $50 worth of stuff over time. So basically, if you sign up and when your bill reaches $50, then you get some free credit and I get some free credit. So that's a really great way to help yourself and to help the show. And then, of course, the best way to help the show in many ways is just to tell people about it. Review it on iTunes, review it in your podcatcher of choice, tweet about it, tell your friends. Sharing really, really helps to get the show out there and to get more listeners here who can then support the show and keep the whole thing going. As I say, let's-talk.ie. Again, folks, thank you for your time. Um, Guy, do you want to let the good listeners know where they can hear yourself and Gaz's wonderful podcast stylings? 
Sure. You can find uh, both Gaz and myself on the MyMac.com podcast. Uh, I also do a live cast on Wednesday nights over at Facebook called Mac to the Future Go. And uh, once or twice a week, usually I record something in my car called Guy's Daily Drive. You can find all these things over there in the iTunes in audio format or in uh, YouTube in a video format. Oh, cool. I do, I do like the name of, of, of that middle show there. I think that's very clever. Yeah, so. Oh, Mac to the Future? Yeah. Well, I, I can't take I can't really take credit for that because they existed as a Facebook group before I joined them. Yeah, and, it's uh, still a cool name. I don't care who came up with it. It's still a cool name. Yeah, they're they're great guys. Great people, I should say. Cool. Nick, where can the listeners uh, find, uh, find and hear more of you and your thoughts and whatnot? Basically, links, please. <laughs> okay, uh, so, uh, you can hear me uh, occasionally on Essential Apple uh, with Simon. Uh, and um, Gaz was foolish enough to uh, allow me on the My Mac show recently, <laughs> uh, which I enjoyed very much for the yeah, first I in, time. I was in Florida. I know that surprised me. I would have thought that you'd been on the show before. Uh, no, no, no. But no, it was great. I enjoyed it. And uh, as uh, as uh, Gaz said, I'd love to come and join you sometime when you're both there. And, uh, and that's about it, really. You can get me on Twitter, but I don't go on there very often, but you can certainly contact me that way. And on there, I am Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And I should say, if this all sounds a bit incestuous, it's because we are all members of the fantastic MyMad, MyMac Podcasting Network. So it, it's we, we we share a network, which is why we end up on each other's shows and stuff. We do. So you find all of the shows over at MyMac.com. With Uncle Tim. With Uncle Tim keeping us all in check and making sure we're all good people. <laughs> or trying to, anyway. Or trying to. <laughs> anyway, we're going to call it at that. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time... Happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. So, guess. Sorry, I'm just boogieing out to that. You know, well, that's playing. Is, you know, I'm shaking it is my so head. Catchy. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. <laughs> I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm shaking my ass. <laughs> ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys, joke. Guys, joke. Mostly clean. I do have a tip for you. It's a very, very quick one. That's why we've been going on about nothing. Oh, no change there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting Can I do you this again. tip? I'll be, yes, I'll be quiet now. Gaz's tips. Guys jokes. Only. Thank goodness. On the My Mac podcast.